We hope you're well. You are now listening to Bite Size Feminism. A place where you can learn more about one aspect of intersectional feminism in 20 minutes. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Annabelle. And we both study languages at the University of Oxford and use the pronouns she, her. We created the Bite Size Feminism platform because we found that people couldn't digest any more than a tiny amount of bite-sized feminism in one go. This podcast talks about one feminist topic in depth with a new guest each week. We are always discovering new parts of feminism and we hope you can too. Today we are chatting with Anna White. She's a student at the University of Exeter and an advocate for people with endometriosis. She talks us through her struggle to be diagnosed and the relief that a diagnosis can bring. She also explains what it's like to live with endo and a chronic illness which causes her pain daily. Heads up, we talk about chronic pain, the medical industry, mental health. There is also some detailed explanations of medical procedures. Okay, so first of all, welcome. Um, We're going to start off with the question, why is endometriosis a feminist issue? I think that endometriosis is a really big feminist issue because it just shows the inequalities between gender in the medical world. So it just is another way of highlighting how women face inequalities in their daily life in this sector. And I think a massive way that this shows is through looking at how long it takes to get diagnosed with endometriosis and also, you know, other um, medical issues to do with the reproductive system. And I think it's because of this massive stigma that people with uteruses are exaggerating when it comes to pain or they're too sensitive. So it's just not taken seriously. And in that sense, I think it's, you know, I think it's a really big feminist issue. I completely agree. Yeah, and thank you for saying that so eloquently (laughs) and starting off the podcast in such an excellent way. For there are many listeners who are probably listening and thinking they don't quite know what endometriosis is. Could you explain in um, basic terms... um, basically what endometriosis is Mm -hmm. and yeah how it is in the medical world. So it's a chronic long-term illness and it's where the tissue that you find in your uterus lining grows elsewhere so it can grow on your ovaries, your fallopian tubes, your womb, your bladder, your bowel, you can even get it in your lungs somehow it gets up there (laughs) Um, and the way that it kind of presents itself is every month when you have your period and your uterus lining is shed, this tissue that's growing elsewhere also sheds and it behaves the same way, but it has nowhere to go. So it gets trapped and it builds up and this can cause really excruciating pain, but you don't just get pain on your period. So because it's a chronic illness, it's something that you can suffer from every single day. Like the symptoms you can get any time of the month. It's not just restricted to when you're on your period. And the symptoms include abnormal bleeding, really severe period pain, really severe pelvic pain, really, really horrible bloating, something that's called like endobelly, where, I mean, I've got endobelly before my waist size has gone up about six or seven inches. It just, it's like you balloon. Um, you can get pain or bleeding during or after sex. That's one of the most common symptoms. And there's also, you know, the mental side of things. So those who suffer from endometriosis are more likely to suffer from depression, anxiety as a direct result of having this illness. And one in 10 people with uteruses in the world suffer from it. But So it's really common, but it's crazy how little people know about it. 
Wow. Yeah, those symptoms, I guess a lot of people don't realise that it affects a lot of people mm. um, outside of their period once a week, yeah. uh, once a month, which obviously is a huge amount of time to be affected yeah. anyway. But for it to be an ongoing chronic illness all of the time is incredibly difficult. I assume, yeah, I think it's very easily overlooked, what you've told not us. just by um, doctors, but also by people who suffer from it, because so many of the symptoms can be misconstrued as just regular period symptoms, I think, especially because there's a real lack of education surrounding what a period, you know, you're taught what it is, you know, scientifically, but not how it should actually present itself. So like for me personally, for so long, I thought that what I had was just normal because for the first like year, I only got my symptoms when I was on my periods, even though I was completely debilitated by them. I just thought, oh, well, period pain's meant to be bad. So this is just period pain. It's fine. Like this is normal. And it was only when I started getting pain when I wasn't at my period and I told my mum about it that she was like you know this is there's something wrong you shouldn't be experiencing pain like this and what would you say the timeline was roughly from when you started um I guess your period mm-hmm. to when you went to the doctors and received a diagnosis could you walk us through so I, um, your journey to getting a yeah, diagnosis so I started my period when I was 14 and from the first period I was I had such horrendous pain I was being really violently sick I was passing out because of the pain and everything um so very very quickly I think after my second period I was put onto the combined pill just to kind of mitigate my period symptoms even though now we know that they weren't just period symptoms and then when I was I reckon just before I turned 15 I started getting so my main symptom that I get and I still get now but the first one that kind of presented itself um, in a very noticeable way was really bad pelvic pain so I started getting that when I wasn't on my period and that's when I spoke to my mum and we, she took me to the GP straight away and to be fair the GP that I saw at the very beginning she was amazing and she sent me straight to the hospital and then that's where the journey got very icky <laughs> to put it nicely so at the hospital I had I mean I was in a consultation for over an hour with this with this woman and she was telling me that I was too young to have anything seriously wrong with me she was telling me that I was stressed that I was having muscle spasms um and basically that it was impossible that there could be anything actually wrong with me because I was only um like 14 turning 15 so she just basically told me to keep taking the the combined pill just without the break in the middle so I started doing that, but obviously that's like a hormone override and I could only do that for a couple of months before it's got too much. Um, and so I went back and I got another referral to the hospital, this time to have a scan done, which I was turned away from because there was an internal examination and there was only a male doctor and he didn't feel comfortable performing it on me because I was under 16, which was ridiculous I thought it was actually ridiculous I remember being sat there and saying to the nurse who I mean he didn't even come to tell me himself like a nurse came to tell me that the doctor didn't feel comfortable doing this examination on me and I remember saying to her okay but you know I know that I'm under 16 but I am fine having a male doctor do this I just want to know what's wrong I've got my mum here with me like I'm completely happy to do this and she was just saying like no he doesn't feel comfortable so I had an ultrasound scan which according to the ultrasound scan like everything was normal but endometriosis doesn't really show up in ultrasounds the only way you can kind of see if you have endometriosis is if it presents itself in ovarian cysts which can be like 
a symptom of endo, especially if you get it on your ovaries, you can get these big ovarian cysts, which I never had. So according to my ultrasound scan, everything was fine. And then after that, they kind of discharged me really. They said that everything was fine. It was kind of up to me if I wanted to continue with the hormonal medication, which I didn't because, you know, it didn't give me an answer. It was just a way to try and cope with it, which in itself wasn't actually working. So I think when I was 16, I moved to a different hospital and my first appointment there, the um, consultant said to me that they thought I had endometriosis. So they took me off the combined pill because estrogen can make um, the endometriosis cells grow faster. So I was taken off the combined pill and put onto the progesterone only one. And to be fair, for about two years that worked really well and for a couple of years I you know I was still getting symptoms now and again but not bad enough for me to go back to the hospital it was manageable and I had my prescribed painkillers and everything and it was kind of fine um and then it was when I was kind of 18 turning 19 that I started getting more and more symptoms I was getting them kind of all the time they were stopping me from going to university classes they were you know putting me into bed multiple times a week and they were just becoming more and more debilitating and by the time that I was trying to get to the GP it was when COVID was all happening (laughs) it was when I came back from my year abroad and when I was out there I didn't go and get anything checked out just because of trying to find doctors was a bit of a pain and money and everything so I waited till I was back home and then I was trying to get a GP appointment and I wasn't being allowed a GP appointment because it wasn't seen as an emergency. And so it was at that point that my family, I mean, I was really lucky in the sense that my family, my parents just said they wanted to pay for me to go to a private consultant because I was being bedbound multiple times a week by the pain. It was horrible and basically bleeding nonstop. And so I was 19. Yeah, it was last summer when I went to the private consultation and I mean, the doctor was first of all completely shocked that I hadn't at this point actually had any internal examinations considering I'd been suffering since I was 14 from something that affected my reproductive system at this point. We didn't know exactly what it was. She was shocked that I hadn't had any internal examinations. The only examination I'd had was actually an ultrasound. It was just an ultrasound. She was also shocked I hadn't had an operation yet. She was just very kind of upset by the whole situation. She really wasn't happy with how I'd been treated. So she did a few examinations and then she wrote a letter back to my GP saying that I needed an operation. And so I was kind of fast tracked on the NHS to get my operation. So I had that last November and that's when they could finally kind of officially diagnose me with endometriosis because like I said, it doesn't show up on ultrasound scans. So the only way you can know definitively that you have it is by having a laparoscopy, which can either be a diagnostic operation where they just look inside and say, yes, you have it. Or what I had was they got inside, saw that I had it, and saw that I had it you know, quite badly. So they lasered off the endometriosis cells that I had mainly on my womb and on my ovaries. And they'd actually kind of like stuck together because of the growth of the cells and everything. Um, and then they also put in the Morella coil when I was under because that combined with the progesterone-only pill is shown to be the most effective kind of mitigation of endometriosis and endometriosis symptoms. So... I had that in November and I mean it wasn't immediately 
better as such, but now I'm at a point where it's probably the best it's been for about a year. So it's slowly, slowly getting there. So how old is I when I got? I was, to me, six years to get a diagnosis, which is still a year less than the average. So it's an average of seven years for someone to get a diagnosis. And then the interquartile range is from three and a half years to just over 12 years to be diagnosed with endometriosis. So I think I was actually very lucky. Six years sounds like a really long time, but compared to the average, it's it was actually a pretty quick process. Well, that is an incredibly um, harrowing journey you've had to undergo, <laughs> especially during your teen years, yeah. where you don't want to have to be doing all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and the medical gaslighting, oh my it's goodness. It's crazy. It's I just, so crazy. It's so Well, oh, I guess you'd agree then there's a huge medical bias against um, women in mm-hmm. particular. Um, and I guess people with uteruses, yeah. especially if the doctor wouldn't examine yeah. you. It's so hard to not give up. Like, I think it's oh, so goodness. easy to just give up and just kind of accept that you have to live with it, which to be honest, I think I probably would have done if I hadn't just continued getting worse and worse and worse. But it's crazy to think that there are people out there that are just living with these symptoms and pain because it's so belittling going to a doctor and talking about how much you're suffering and just to have them not take it seriously. It's kind of humiliating because you leave and you just feel so embarrassed that you've been there like crying to a doctor and they just act like you're completely exaggerating. And there doesn't seem to be a difference between male doctors and female doctors. It seems to be the same kind of gaslighting, no matter the gender of the doctor which I always thought I'd walk in and see a female doctor and be like relieved that it was a female doctor but actually some of the best doctors I've had have been male which seems a bit I don't know I think that seems a bit crazy I would think that female doctors would be more understanding but I don't I don't really understand it why it's still such a massive issue and there's still such a stigma that women are like weak and they exaggerate their pain but I mean I've got some crazy advice I remember basically after my operation when I had the coil put in the coil like dislodged and I didn't know this for a very long time because I was phoning doctors I mean I phoned doctors I think about seven times before I ended up being seen by one saying that something was wrong and they just were kind of they weren't wanting to see me they were saying I had to give it six months before they could see me for the coil even though I knew something was really wrong and it was in January that I started losing really big blood clots so it's you know, you lose a really, really large amount of blood in the space of like three seconds, which is obviously petrifying. And I remember phoning the doctor and just being told to, to keep hydrated. And that was it. That was all that they told me. And it's it's horrible. You just feel completely ignored. Well, I'm really sorry that's happened <laughs> to you. Um, but I'm glad you've got a diagnosis mm-hmm. now and you've managed to get some form of treatment. Yeah. How important would you say that the treatment you've received has been in your life and daily life and going forward? Especially because before my operation, it was getting worse and worse and worse and more and more debilitating like by the week. I'm so grateful that I had my operation when I did and I got the coil put in. I'm also very grateful I, put, I got that put in during my operation because I, you know, it's already a painful process. But if you have endometriosis, apparently it's 10 times more painful. So I'm very grateful that I got that put in when I was under. But looking at how my symptoms were just deteriorating before my operation, 
I'm so grateful that I had it when I did because I really can't imagine how I would have been coping if I hadn't had it back in November. So for you, how important has treatment been in your life and going forward? Yeah, it's been so important because my symptoms were just deteriorating before my operation, getting worse and worse and more and more debilitating. And I was being dead bound like multiple times a week because of the pain. And obviously, you know, being a university student and, you know, even if I were at work or even if I were doing absolutely nothing, it's a horrible thing to have to go through. And, you know, you really can't get on with like everyday life because of it, which is so it's really horrible it's really upsetting that you can't do things that everyone else can do without thinking twice because of something that's completely out of your control so I'm very grateful that I had my operation when I did because I really can't imagine how I would have been coping my symptoms kept getting worse and I didn't have that kind of treatment on the horizon so I'm so grateful that I had an operation and I mean it's crazy because normally you get told you have a chronic illness and it's like the end of the world but I got told that I had endometriosis and it was this massive relief that finally I know 100% what I've been going through and how I've been suffering wasn't all in my head like it was made out to be but it was because of this concrete chronic illness that's been causing all of this suffering um so even though I had a really long recovery from my operation mostly because of the coil messing up and everything and that was a struggle since it's kind of settled down I had to have the coil replaced and everything and since that settled down it's been so much better in terms of pain the thing that is kind of the worst at the moment is my bleeding so that's kind of another issue that I'm having to sort out but I mean I would take bleeding any day over pain because you know it's annoying and it's a bit frustrating but it's not completely debilitating so Hopefully the pain continues to be under control. You know, I still do get flare-ups that bedbound me, but that it's a lot less frequent. And you know, I'm still getting regular pain, but it's kind of crazy because it's something that I would call like normal levels of pain, which I always say. And then to my boyfriend, he'll be like, "Well, the normal level of pain is no pain." But to me, you know, the normal level of pain is something that I can cope with, and I can take my medication I can get on my day and it doesn't completely interrupt what I'm doing so as long as my pain stays at that level just with the odd flare-up I'm happy to be honest um I know that the operation normally people who have it start getting their bad symptoms again a year to a year um between a year and two years after the operation so I'm trying not to just think about that and just to take every day as it comes and at the moment it's good so that's a positive and I'm just hoping that there's more research done into endometriosis so in the future there'll be more options for me. Off the back of that and how you've now got treatment and it's helping to make your life a bit more manageable mm-hmm. if not pain-free um, is there anything that you wish people understood about living with endo, the kind of the key points and how people can make you feel more comfortable on a daily basis. I think the key thing is that because it's what's known as an invisible illness, so you can you wouldn't tell from looking at me that I have endometriosis. A lot of people forget that just because it's invisible, it's that doesn't mean that it's not there and it's not affecting you on a daily basis. So, like I said about the normal level of pain, I think you know people will see me going about my everyday life and not realize that I will get some kind of pain every day um 
so that's something that I think I wish more people knew because obviously if I have a flare-up it's easy to see that I'm suffering but it's not just something that occurs when I have a flare-up it's something that occurs all the time without any rhyme or reason um but I think mainly just that it's not a bad period so I think that's a massive kind of <clears throat> sorry that's a massive stereotype around not just endometriosis but other reproductive issues that is just like a bad period and then as a result of that you're just kind of exaggerating you know everyone gets a period it's not that bad um when it's actually a completely separate issue and you know it is literally a chronic illness it's that extreme it's that severe but I mean I think I'm really lucky in a sense that the people that I'm surrounded with like my friends my family they're all very very understanding of what I go through and specifically my friends at university a lot of them had never even heard of endometriosis before I spoke to them about it but it's actually been so refreshing how eager everyone is to you know learn about it and educate themselves and if I message people saying oh sorry I can't come into uni or I can't come to this because I'm having a flare-up or I'm just feeling a bit shitty because oh sorry <laughs> I'm just feeling a bit bad um it's never oh like okay that's a bit that's kind of rough but I hope you're okay it's always people offering what they can do to help you know seeing if they can bring me anything seeing if I need any help which is I mean that level of understanding is really really lovely but yeah I, I think I'd I guess you need that support as well mm-hmm. to get through university and just yeah life. yeah I think and also I'm very lucky that my lecturers have all been very understanding so the person who kind of runs the admin of the department that I'm in at university she's been amazing at now if I want to get mitigation I don't need to submit you know new hospital notes or doctor's notes every single time because obviously whenever I get flare-ups I'm not going to the doctors every time I get a flare-up because you know it's something that you kind of have to deal with yourself so in the past it's been difficult to get mitigation because it's difficult to get the doctors to write you a note saying oh yeah they're having an endoflap specifically because before now before this year I didn't actually know exactly what was wrong with me but I've been speaking to the person who sort of runs the admin of my university this this year and she's been so helpful setting up this kind of mitigation for me that I no longer need to submit evidence I can just supply and say that I'm having a flare-up and I can get mitigation um I think also because another really another symptom of endometriosis that is often overlooked isn't necessarily pain but also like fatigue and how it just drains like your body and that can come whenever as well you don't necessarily have to be bleeding or in pain to have that fatigue and it's completely completely draining and sort of debilitating itself in a completely different way and obviously that will affect you and your everyday life as well to do with work and everything and that's also something that I in the past found hard to kind of convey to teachers and stuff like that I couldn't do work because essentially I was too tired which I think a lot of people could see as maybe a bit of a cop-out but it just completely you just feel so weak sometimes because you know your body's constantly fighting this thing that's going on but I think I'm very lucky in the sense that I'm surrounded by people that are all very very understanding and just want to do the best that they can to to help Yeah, I mean, lucky is, um, I almost sometimes hate the word lucky because um, 
you should you should have all that support yeah. without um having to consider yourself lucky like it should be but the I bare minimum but <laughs> um do you find it tiring having to constantly explain endo to people when you're talking about it or just having to explain why you can't make it to a certain event or lecture I actually quite like it which probably sounds weird but anytime I say to somebody that I can't do whatever because of having an endo flare-up and they were if they respond saying oh what's endometriosis as long as they are the kind of person that seems like they're asking because they actually are interested then I do enjoy actually talking to them about it because in my eyes it's just kind of spreading the word a bit more and because so few people actually understand it if I can tell one or two or three of my lectures about what it actually is or my friends then they will then understand and know what it is and then they can tell somebody else and it can kind of cause this chain reaction of more and more people knowing about this illness so I, I do enjoy it as long as they are kind of receptive to actually knowing about it <laughs> because I have had it before people have asked what it is and I've told them and then the response hasn't been exactly what I'm expecting it's been kind of dismissive but I would say that's kind of the minority. The majority of people when I tell them are either interested or really sympathetic um, or kind of surprised that it's this big serious thing that they've never heard of before. I know a lot of people um, through activism it actually helps their mental mm. health and you mentioned earlier how endo can have a big drain and an effect on people's mental mm. health for obvious reasons. Do you feel that maybe raising awareness and... Um, Moving in activist circles to raise awareness for endo has helped maybe in that regard? I think it definitely helps because it's something that, I mean, there's nothing positive that comes from endometriosis in, you know, your everyday life. It affects everything and looking to the future, it affects fertility, increases chances of miscarriage, affect topic pregnancy and everything. Um, so there's really nothing positive about how it presents itself and what it actually is. And at the same time, it's something that is it can seem impossible to control like I can get one symptom I can kind of manage one symptom like right now I've kind of got the pain side managed and then another symptom like the bleeding gets out of control and then that's a whole other issue and then it seems to be the second that you get something kind of under control something else presents itself so it can really feel like you have this thing that is just completely out of your control even though it's affecting you on a daily basis which is really really hard mentally but by kind of talking about it and owning it, it feels like I'm controlling it in that sense. And, you know, I know that in the past when I have felt very kind of alone in what I've been going through and then I've seen people online talking about it, it makes me feel a lot better that I'm not the only one going through this and it makes me feel like I'm not going crazy. So I think it definitely has helped my mental health in the sense that when I feel completely useless in this whole situation I can kind of own this one part of endometriosis and I can try and help other people in that sense. Do you have any um, sources or websites or people mm. that you um, that have helped you through either social media or just by following a blog online that you wanted to share? I actually I, I saw this question I actually don't have anyone in like in particular that I follow um so there are instagram pages that are all about like this endometriosis uk and there are others that kind of 
raise awareness through doing posts with like facts about what it is and then they have the odd person come on and do a little takeover but I actually get most of my information per se from I will just look up my phone endometriosis and then it gives you the option to look at like the images or the videos or the news and I will just do that kind of a few times a week and click on the news and then look at what articles have recently been released about endo and I mean I've learned some crazy things <laughs> through doing that and also discovered some amazing things as well um so I do that a lot actually and I've learned a lot from just looking at what articles can release because they're not articles that you're going to see like on the front page or they're not ones you're going to see when you're just kind of scrolling through social media they're ones that you kind of have to actively go after so that's where I learn most of my information but I mean I do also really like going on these Instagram pages where they will have people go on and do a takeover about what they've gone through because and without sounding like mean in a way it's kind of nice to see that other people have gone through similar things as you because they can feel like this kind of endless struggle but seeing that people are going through the same or they've reached this end goal and they can give you advice that's always really reassuring no definitely I can definitely understand why it's not like you're enjoying other people's <laughs> suffering but it's nice to know there are other people out there um I want to ask obviously we've talked about medical bias um against women and people with uteruses um obviously black people and people of color mm -hmm. uh, suffer from medical discrimination how do you think this particularly applies to endometriosis obviously and it's difficult yeah. because you only have your perspective yeah. but um how would you say if your journey's been difficult how would you say it maybe it would yeah. affect uh, people of color so I wanted to get some like statistics for this so I found this article called I'm black I've endometriosis and here's why my race matters by Maisha Johnson that was published on Healthline in 2019 and she's got endometriosis herself and she speaks about how being a black woman has affected her story and how it can also affect other people's stories with endometriosis so black women are actually half as likely to be diagnosed with endometriosis in the first place so when you think about how long it takes to get a diagnosis um that is you know so much worse if you're a black woman and I think if you're looking at sort of the interquartile range I mentioned earlier of three and a half years to just over 12 years to get a diagnosis I would say that it is extremely like 99.9% .9 likely that the higher range is for women of colour um and there are a number of reasons that kind of attribute to this and one of the first ones is that there are fewer studies done on how endometriosis like presents itself in black women and I mean there are already <laughs> so few studies done into endometriosis like full stop so you already have this like tiny 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 um <clears throat> group of people researching in endometriosis and then within that tiny group there's an even smaller group that are doing research into endometriosis in um black women so that means that it's a lot more likely that they're not going to get a diagnosis or they're going to get misdiagnosed because people just don't, like doctors don't understand um, how this illness presents itself in women of colour. And then another reason is that, you know, within the stigma that women over exaggerate their pain, there's this whole other stigma that I don't think is just specific to endometriosis or reproductive um, illnesses. But I think within the whole kind of medical sphere, there's a bias that black people are 
less sensitive to pain and therefore they're not going to be taken seriously which again is going to prevent a diagnosis because doctors aren't going to think that they're actually going through anything serious and then and I didn't actually know this last one but there are a number of reproductive illnesses that are more likely to occur in black women so one of them is uterine fibroids they're three times as likely um, in black women than in white women so then that's more likely to lead to a misdiagnosis because it's more likely I think that doctors are going to assume that a black woman has something like that because it's more likely and then they're not going to diagnose endometriosis or they're not going to look any deeper because they're going to make this assumption so you know I've stated reasons previously why it's so hard to get a diagnosis like full stop such as not being taken seriously and a lack of research and everything so there are all these issues that are just amplified for black women and just made that just makes their journey like a hundred times harder and obviously feminism there's a massive issue of race within feminism like it's not just like a subheading of feminism it's like its own heading itself and within um inequalities between gender in the medical sphere I think it'd be really kind of irresponsible to assume that the white woman's story is the same as the woman of color's story because you know I can sit here and talk about what I've gone through and I would never wish for anyone the journey that I've gone through with endometriosis and I can sit here and talk about how horrible it is but it's like 99% um likely that a woman of colour has gone through a journey that's been far more difficult than what I've gone through which is just horrible to even you know to think about or to even fathom well yeah um I couldn't have put that any better I mean thank you for bringing those resources um it's obviously very important that we as white women don't just um give our opinions on things yeah. that we can't have a voice on so thank you for doing so much <laughs> research and we'll drop all those links um next to the podcast so everyone can I will, have a look I will at send those. you the link <laughs> um okay <laughs> great thank you I want to read the article um yeah so basically our final question is the whole idea about um feminism is to always make sure that you're um, including more people mm. and getting more voices involved. And I guess this actually relates to our last question, talking about people of colour um, suffering to get diagnoses with endometriosis and suffering to have a voice mm-hmm. within feminism. So for you, who would you like to pass the microphone on to and who would you like to have more of a voice? So first of all, I'd love to pass the mic over to a woman of colour that suffered from endometriosis. Unfortunately, you know, I don't have a friend or someone that I can immediately pass the mic over to. But like I said earlier, when I've seen online Instagram pages that do personal stories, it's actually crazy when you start looking at them and how few of them are actually women of colour. Like the vast majority is white women talking about their story. And, you know, as amazing as it is that people are talking about it more and more, there definitely needs to be more more of a focus on women of colour and their struggle because it's going to be a hundred times worse than a white woman's struggle with this chronic illness so I would definitely love to pass the mic over to a woman of colour and get her opinion on the matter because you know it is a race issue and I know that in this article that I read it kind of started from um 
this lady saw a video online of someone talking about their story with endometriosis as a black woman and then she looked at the comments and half the comments were black women saying it's amazing that you're sharing this story and the other half were white women saying why are you making this a race issue this isn't a race issue but it 100% is so I think there definitely needs to be more of a narrative about that so that's the the first kind of person but also kind of community that I'd want to pass the mic to um yeah I think that's probably the most important thing because it's one thing just looking online and seeing all this activism done by white women but you also want to see you know the other side and how it's affecting women of color yeah amazing thank you um hopefully in the future we can get more people on the podcast to talk about endometriosis that we can hear about more Mm. and more opinions and journeys because I guess every single person who's gone through struggle with endometriosis has a different story and it's really important to have a diverse range maybe one day we'll have we'll find someone who's had an easier story (laughs) and just gone straight through and Mm -hmm. got diagnosed straight away it's so crazy to think Um, I mean I remember actually the last time I like googled endometriosis (laughs) I was looking online I came across this article of I think it was a 21 year old woman whose advice was to have a baby because that can sometimes help with endometriosis so she was told by a medical professional to have a child which is crazy in itself because she's you know a 21 year old woman who didn't even want to have a child but also because yes having a child can maybe help but it can also maybe make it a lot worse so it's it's pretty crazy but I would love (laughs) I would love to hear a positive a positive story because yeah the things that you see are very very overwhelmingly negative (laughs) thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode if you want to find out more please check out the resources in the description if you want to collaborate or share with us feel free to reach out at bitesize underscore feminism on instagram email us at bitesizefeminism at outlook.com or check out our website www.bitesizefeminism.co.uk Thank you to Rob Hyde for the music you are hearing now. See you next week.